Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. My plan this week was to release uh, what you're about to hear as just a short primer and then do the show on the backside of that. But just got off the horn here with Bill Hughes and the primer turned into about a 40-minute talk. And so I'm just going to leave this one as a full show. I am traveling right now, helping my mom out with the surgery, so I do not have my pro gear with me but hopefully the sound will be uh, all fine and dandy on my end. This is basically, I've been getting a lot of questions on how to get into World Cups. How does it all work? What does WPRS mean? What is civil? What is FAI? And we answer all this for you. Bill works for all of these organizations. He's the treasurer of the World Cup to the PWCA and he works for civil and he's been at this game an awful long time and understands it intimately and understands you know cat one and cat two and ntss and rankings and letters and here you go we explain it all if you're uh wanting to play a little bit at the at the highest level have a listen cheers Bill, good to see your face. Hasn't been too long since we were just racing down at the Menarca and the Super Final. I've been getting, as I've told you before we started recording, I've getting a lot of questions from listeners who are keen on watching this stuff, but don't really understand how it works and how you start competing in World Cups. And so I thought I'd go to the expert, the guy who works for all these organizations and understands it better than anybody. Uh, and also understands the scoring. And so I thought where we'd start is just the difference between the various organizations. Uh, what is civil? What is the FAI? What is the World Cup? How do they differentiate? How do they work together? Why is it important? Let's start there. Okay. Yeah. Great to be here again, uh, Gavin, and uh, good, good to see you. Wish it was in warmer conditions like, like we had in Mexico, but... Uh, oh, it's just perfect every day, isn't it? It's just an amazing that nice. place. That was nice. <laughs> that okay. was nice. Yeah, so all the organizations are, are kind of confusing. So at the at the kind of like top is uh, FAI. So FAI is responsible for all air sports all around the world. And they're actually uh, an Olympic uh, organization. So uh, even though... Paragliding isn't an Olympic sport. There are other air sports that have been Olympic sports or, you know, demonstration sports, various things, but, but they're actually affiliated with the, with the IOC. So that helps a lot of countries, especially like in Asia, get sponsorship dollars and things like that, uh, because they can say, Hey, FAI, uh, wants to do a competition here. Um, you know, they're an Olympic affiliated organization. Um, and, uh, so they can get, get sponsorship that way. Civil is one of the air sports organizations underneath FAI, and Civil is responsible for all hang gliding and paragliding activities. So FAI kind of like sets the umbrella guidelines uh, for the various air sports, and then there's commissions for uh, there's Civil, and then there's like also a parachuting organization, there's a aero modeling organization, um, and so on. Um, Yushba is affiliated with 
NAA, which is the U.S. National Air Sports Association, and NAA is a member of FAI. So when we sanction an application, when we sanction a competition in the U.S., we're sanctioning it as a FAI Category 2 competition. And the reason that USPA can do that is NAA, who's an FAI member, has ceded that responsibility to uh, to the to the to USPA. So, and so will every country have. Uh... And, you know, I'm asking these questions that we're trying to kind of paint the very generic, you know, easy picture for people that don't understand. And most right. people don't. Is is the is the is USPA something that every country has something like USPA and something like the NAA? They, in other words, to have competitions, you have to be sanctioned under the FAI. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Every country. Um, can have an organization, and, and most of them do, like NAA and USPA. Um, you don't have to, but if you don't have an organization like that and don't pay your dues to the, F- to the FAI, then you can't do CAT 2 competitions and you can't send uh, people to the CAT 1 competitions, which are the Continental Championships and the World Championships. Okay. And civil would be the ones who create the WPRS, correct? Are they in charge of the, in the WPRS is the world ranking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Civil, civil manages the WPRS. Um, They manage all the sanctioned applications for category two competitions. They um, create the rule books. So you've heard of section or everybody will have heard of section seven. So section seven is, the part of the FAI rule book that governs paragliding and hang gliding and, um, and civil is the organization that, that manages that rule book. And the rule book you're talking about would have how competitions are scored, protested, all exactly. the things that go, you know, how, how they're operated. Exactly. Exactly. One, one common thing that people don't fully understand is, uh, the difference between a cat one and a cat two competition. So a cat one competition, that competition is actually run by civil. So civil sends a steward and a jury, and it's run strictly per the section seven rule book. A category two competition uh, is the purview of the country who sanctioned it. And it's recommended that they follow section seven. And most of them generally do. But you can override uh, the Section 7 rules with local rules in a Category 2 competition, and you can't do that in a Category 1 competition. I.e., the Monarca is Category 2. Exactly. It's open because they can override the, the rules. So give us some examples of Cat 1. So there's there's four Category 1s in paragliding, um, and then there's, then there's uh, separate ones in hang gliding. So in paragliding... You've got the Continental Championships. So there's a Europeans, there's a Pan Ams, um, and then there's the Asians. So each of those um, is, you know, geographically bound. And so each, each, so like, for example, in the Pan Americans, uh, anybody in North and South America is invited to send uh, pilots to that competition. And then same for Europe, same for Asia. And then the world championship is the overall you know uh is the overall highest level of of category one 
competitions. And these are run by whom? Well, they're, they, they all have a local organizer, but they're, but they're all run by FAI. Just like the World Championship, even for the, the Continentals, the FAI sends a steward and a jury, and it's all run uh, strictly per the Section 7 uh, rule books. And important to understand, because we're getting there with World Cup, how to get into World Cups, but these, you do not qualify to Cat 1 via letters. We'll talk about letters here in a little bit, but how do you make the Worlds or the Pan Americans or the Europeans or the Asians? Yeah, that's a good question. So every, uh, so we'll start with the uh, Continentals. So in the Pan Americans, um, each country that's an FAI member uh, is invited there's there's a there's a, what's called an allocation. So it, it, there's allocations done in multiple rounds, and you start off with every country getting to send uh, usually three pilots. So it's usually three of a, of one gender plus one uh, female, and then based on how many countries sign up and say that they want to send pilots, you you then allocate more slots per nation based on their WPRS ranking. So, you know, if Brazil is ranked uh, number one in the, in the Pan American region, which I think they are right now, they would get uh, the first pick. And then I, I believe we're second. So then we would get the second pick. So if, if uh, let's say after round one, you've got 115 pilots allocated, uh, then there's 125 pilots total. So you'd have 10 slots that you could allocate. So Brazil could send one more. We could send one more. And then on down mm. the list until mm. the competition's full. And if, a, and if a country doesn't want to send three pilots or doesn't have three pilots that qualify, then those slots open up and are reallocated as well. So and each, each, each country decides how it wants to send its pilots. So most countries have a have a just a you know a normal ranking system like the US does where they just look at the results of the pilots uh, competitions and and rank them accordingly but you don't have to do it that way so some countries uh, do it a little bit more arbitrarily France for example um, doesn't follow their ranking at all their their team leader just chooses who they want to see yeah it's on 100% teams. arbitrary yeah. yeah yeah I was I was curious to find that out so they just decide based on who's who's racing well at that level and you know team dynamics and they right. choose that way exactly right. exactly so so that's how the continentals works and then the worlds uh, works exactly the same way just on a world world level so um, you know and the continentals happen every year but the worlds are every other year correct no they're both every other year and they alternate wow. so this year's worlds so there won't be uh, pan americans um, or Asians, and then next year we'll have the Pan, Amer Pan Americans, Asians, and Europeans. Okay. So, next organization I think we should talk about is the World Cup. How, yeah. how are they different? How is how and how do you go compete in World Cups? Okay. Yeah, the World Cup is really a, a, a completely separate organization. However, World Cup competitions are also Cat Two competitions. So you do still get WPRS points for them, um, but aside from that, there's really there's really no no linkage. So World Cup was set up 
I don't know, 15, 20 years ago by a group of pilots that just kind of wanted to have uh, their own thing outside the, the, the civil structure. I think back then, um, civil and FAI were like more complicated and they just they, they wanted something simpler that they could decide how the scoring was going to work and, and so on and so forth. So World Cups are run by the Paragliding World Cup Association, which is a nonprofit uh, headquartered in France. And there's five World Cup events each year, and then there's a Super Final. And in addition to those, there's pre-World Cups, which allow people to qualify for the World Cup events. And then it also allows the World Cup to vet um, potential locations for future World Cups. They check out the organizer, they check out the site to see if it's, you know, to see if it's at the level of a World Cup. World Cups are are some of the highest, uh, World Cup competitions have some of the highest level pilots uh, of any uh, of any competition because of the of the way you qualify for world cup events. Okay. So if you're a budding comp pilot, you want to start racing pre world cups, Mm -hmm. world cups. What's the path? Okay. Yep. So there's, there's a couple of different ways you can get into the, to the world cup. So world cup selection is done by letters and everybody will have two letters and there's a number of different ways you could get those letters. So the, the kind of easiest way to understand is every country can have a national championship uh, and a league. And your ranking within your league and within your national championship um, gives you a letter. So, for example, for the U.S., our league is the NTSS ranking. That's our, that's our national ranking. And then the national championship is our national championship. So it's the, it's the U.S. NAT. So it's your score uh, within that. Um, so those generate letters. And there's a what's called a nation's table. So each uh, the, the, the level of the letter that gets generated is based on essentially how good the country is. So there's from level one to level seven. So... France is pretty much always a level one country, so it has really good letters. Um, let me look at something real quick, and I'll, and I'll tell you. So if you're if you're a level one country, um, your winner of your national championship is going to get an A, and I think second place also also gets an A. Uh, yeah, and. And then it you know goes down uh, until like let's say if you're a level one country, your twentieth place pilot gets a level gets an E for for a letter. Uh, okay. a, con- a country that's not as good, um, like a level seven country, the winner of their national championship would get a D uh, okay. as their letter as opposed to an A. And the way the level is calculated is you take the top three pilots uh, from that country in the last world championship and the top three pilots uh, from all of the World Cups that were flown last year. So taking France, for example, in the last world championship, um, they had the second, third and fourth ranked pilot. So that's so that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
and they had and they had uh, and and four of the World Cups last year were won by French pilots. So four that's, of the five. Yeah, four of the five. So that's plus the super final. Plus the super final, exactly. So that's <laughs> so that's you know three points from PWC events and uh, nine points. Uh, yeah, nine points from the from the world. So you add those up, and that's their score. And the lower your oh. score is, the better um, the better uh, your level is. So okay. so this year um, there's there's five countries that are level one. And then uh, a, a handful of countries that are level two. We're level two, which is actually really good. And mm. then it then it kind of like drops off from there. So t- last year we were level three. Um, we had some pilots that did pretty well in World Cups last year, and so we we bumped up to level two this year. Interesting. And you're looking at something. What are you yeah. looking at to go see that? Can anybody it, look at that? Yeah, anybody can look at it. So if you go to the PWCA website. You can uh, click on rules, and you can see the nations table, and then you can also see the rule book. So the nations table changes every year, and it gives the current uh, ranking of all the nations. And then the rule book has the table that says, okay, if you're a level one, then these are the letters that you get. If you're a level two, these are the letters that you get. And that was interesting. You just spelled out something that I was unaware of. The, the nation's tables is based on results. Right. And in a sense, WPRS is, obviously, but that's not the same. You know, you, you're, it's, it, the, the two don't seem to tie in right there when it comes to letters. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, what, one of the things that uh, PWC doesn't like about WPRS which I think is a fair criticism, is that WPRS is very European centric. So mm. if you if you live in Europe, there's you know on any given weekend there's probably two or three national championships that you can drive to that are going to give you really high WPRS points because you know top pilots from Germany and Switzerland and France you know just might decide to show up on any given weekend at a at a competition. Whereas in the U.S. and Asia, that's not the case at all. So it's kind of a yeah. We don't have any comps that would be exactly equivalent. Yeah, exactly. We don't yeah. have enough people. So it's a so it's a real catch twenty two. You know, we don't have high WPRS ranked pilots, or not as many as as Europe has. So therefore, our competitions aren't worth as much, and because our competitions aren't worth, worth as much, we again can't get ranked. Can't get ranked. Yeah. So it's just kind of a, a cycle. So the nation's table is is meant to to deal with that. So like, for example, if we have, you know, three really hot pilots that go to a bunch of uh, uh, PWC events and score reasonably well, we can generate good letters for the country. We don't have to, uh, you know, we don't have to somehow figure out how to draw, you know, Russ Ogden and Luke Armont over to the U.S. to fly competitions in order to, to get up in the high WPRS rankings. Yeah, and I noticed, you know, this year as an example to back that up, uh, I think I was third in the in the league results, and I got an A from it. I yeah. was blown away. That that's yeah. really surprised me. And so that's because the nation's table was two, right? Or exactly. We're second. We're second. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's, that's okay. because we were level two in the nation's table this year. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Okay, so. To just summarize this for someone getting into it, uh, okay. Well, actually, first, how do you get into a PWC? A okay, pre-PWC. yeah. PWC. 
Yeah. So yeah. So anybody can enter a pre PwC. So a pre PwC is just an open event. They're not allowed to, uh, you know, discriminate based on you know WPRS or letters or anything like that. So it's just open registration. Um, anybody can sign up, and and it's it's typically pretty easy to get into a lot of the pre PwCs. On in any given year, there might be ten or twelve pre-PWCs, and they're just regular CAT2 events that the organizer has decided to make a pre-PWC, and the PWC has to accept it. It has to be like a reasonable, you know, a reasonable chance that this could be a venue for a future PWC at some point. We're not going to, we're not going to make some completely rinky-dink competition, you know, with eight pilots in the middle of nowhere, uh, a pre-PWC. So that's the best way. That's how I got in. I got in uh, by doing a pre-PWC, and uh, it was the one in Chelan, actually, that, that happened you know, years ago, like 15, 16 years ago or whatever. So I got a good enough letter from that to get into a PWC, and then I got a good enough score from that PWC to get into the Superfinal that year. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a ladder effect. So you get letters from pre-PWCs, from your uh, national championship, from your league, and then you can also travel to other people's national championships. So you could go to uh, Canada's national championship, for example. It won't, wouldn't be as highly ranked as the U.S., but it's it's still going to generate a letter. If you win the Canadian national championship, you're you're going to get a decent letter out of it. You probably won't get an A, but you might get a, a C or a B, something like that. Now, I think I think something that would be wise for us to talk about, because th- this is, again, it's going to be a little different, but for the most part, from the people I've asked, it's pretty similar. Now, France is subjective to make mm. the world's team or, you know, right. uh, but they also have their own ranking system and as we do. So uh, folks listening, if you're, you know, if you're not part of the U.S., we're going to be talking about the NTSS, but it's almost certainly very similar in the country you're in. So Bill, just explain how the NTSS works and why it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So the NTSS is our, is our ranking system. So it's intended to give uh, U S pilots a a fair shot at, uh, at getting a decent ranking and, and, you know, possibly being selected for, you know, a continentals or, or a world team. And, the way it works is you take your best four scores and only two of those can be foreign comps. So what we're trying to avoid is we're trying to avoid, uh, you know, our, our best pilots just flying around the world and doing other people's comps and, you know, getting a bunch of, of points from those and, and, you know, a not supporting the U S uh, competition scene by not going to the events, which hurts our organizers um, and then B, you know, competing against the actual U.S. pilots so that proving, you know, that, you know, they're at a certain level versus the U.S. pilots. So, mm-hmm. um, so like, for example, you might have, uh, and we do count uh, Mexico as a U.S. comp. We made that change, I think, like four or five years ago. So your, your best scores might be Menarca and Chelan, for example, those two competitions and then, you know, two foreign competitions and those generate a certain number of points and that adds up to your NTSS score. Each competition can have a maximum of 600 points. So a fully, so first place 
in a fully valid comp in the U.S. would get you 600 points. If you go to a foreign competition, then the, the pilot quality validity is based on the, the U.S. pilots that are there, and then foreign pilots are given a, a score uh, analogous to the score that a U.S. pilot would give um, based on their WPRS ranking. So uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, for example, and I think this is where people get really confused. You know, if you, you're trying to get a letter, mm. there's a comp going on right now in Columbia that I hadn't even heard of. And right. it's, it's happening right now. It's on Air Tribune and the pilot quality is really high. Seb mm. Espina is there. He was top 10 in the super final. And uh, there's a, there's a bunch of really good pilots there. And, uh, and, and so that's going to be a fully valid comp. And as I understand, looking at it and, you know, if you did reasonably well there, you're going to get a really good score and that could be one of your two foreign scores. And, right. and again, if you're not in TSS, it's going to be very similar, you know, right. for, you know, it'd be a very important comp for a British citizen to go to or Swiss or anybody, you know, there's, right. there's, there's talent from all over the world. They're, they're highly ranked in WPRS, at least the top 20, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Michael Gerlach's there. He was top 10 in the super final. So you've got great quality there and you can get a great score. And then mm-hmm. that's, that alone will not give you a letter, but that's going to be one of your top scores if you do well. And that will, that will add up when it comes to the league score. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So two letters, explain that. How does that work? Yeah. So you get two letters. Um, so let's say, let's say that somebody went to, um, three PDBC events last year. Um, they did the U S national championship and, and of course they're in the league. So they have, and they did two pre PWCs. So that would give them seven chances to get a letter. Actually, it would generate seven letters. And then, mm-hmm. and then your 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 PwC letters for getting into competitions are just your best two. So if you got an A from uh, the U.S. Nats and you got a C from you know the the pre PwC that you did, and everything else is is lower, then your letters would be A C. So when mm-hmm. it comes time to select people for a PwC, uh, you start with the first letter. So all of the A's. Are selected first, and then to differentiate between the A's, you start at AA, then you go to AB, AC, AD, and on down the list. And then after all of the A's who have signed up have either you know decided that they're going to go or declined, then you go to the B's, then you go to the C's, then you go to the D's. So that's how that works. And how does uh, okay? I want to go do a World Cup in Brazil. What letters would I need to get in? Yeah, it, it's different. It's that's a good question. So it's different for different venues. Uh, typically for Brazil, um, you could probably get in with a C, and and possibly even even a D. Uh, and South so Africa, you've got, you only need you, you've got a C or a D. Second letter doesn't even matter. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then for if in France, uh, it's probably not going to go below B. Um, so, yep. because there's, obviously there's so many good pilots in France and Europe and it's easy for them to get to for a PWC in Asia, uh, it might go down to H or I, or even, even lower because there aren't a lot of pilots in Asia that have high ranking letters, which is why the Paragliding World Cup started the Asian tour, which we can talk about if you want. Um, and then South Africa, for example, sometimes has a PWC. And that's 
hard for a lot of people to get to. A lot of Europeans just aren't going to go to the trouble of getting there. So, you know, you can get into um, South Africa with a, with a lower letter. So if I was a new pilot and I was like wanting to break into the PDBC, I would look at the list of, of pre-PDBCs and I would pick one that is, you know, I wouldn't pick one in France or in Spain. I wouldn't pick one in Europe at all because it's going to, you know, it's going to be highly competitive and there's going to be really good pilots there. I would pick one in, you know, South America. Um, last year there was one in Chile that was anybody could have gotten into that uh, or I pick one in Korea or you know South Africa or um, Canada if Canada had a pre-PWC and then I would just go to as many pre-PWCs as I could and eventually hope to get a good score and because really if you're looking for to be expeditious that's the easiest way to get a letter it's one right. comp seven days boom you're done exactly. whereas the league it's the end of the year it's the rankings as of january 1st the following year so it's the whole year you got you got to you got to wait around yeah and say and for the na and for the nationals as well and countries differ here some nationals are one event you know mm -hmm. ours is typically two or even three right and so again it's kind of the whole season Exactly. Uh, before exactly. that's tabulated and submitted, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, um, the U.S. has is, is really gotten better and better. I mean, we have a lot of really good pilots now. So, you know, it used to be um, when I first started flying that um, it was it was easier back then to be in the top 15, top 20 in the U.S. than it is now. Now we've got a ton of really good pilots. And so you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to count on getting a good letter from your from your U.S. league uh, rank. Okay, so that makes even, even weightier that the right. pre So, as an organizer, and this is curious because I've just recently started being an organizer. What what's the doubt? Is there any downside to declaring your cat to uh, a pre PWC? I mean, you know, that was quite easy for us to do. We paid the money. I yeah. mean, it costs a little bit more, but I think it's relevant to talk about the hurdles mm -hmm. that you have to go through. I mean, in, in, in my case, if I didn't have you, that would have been quite expensive because right. we have to fly them over. So talk about that just a little bit for those curious about running comps. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, the, yeah, there's no downside other than the cost. So when you, when you want to be a pre PWC, you have to pay the fee, which right now is, is 800 euros. And then you also have to pay for the observer. You don't have to pay for their flight. PwC pays for that. But you have to pay for their accommodations oh. and their food. You have to get them from the airport to the venue and back. So, you know, depending upon where you are, all of that can, can add up. I mean, in a place like, you know, Chelan or, or even well, any place in the U.S., you know, hotel costs are high, transportation mm -hmm. costs are high. So, you know, that can add up. The, the, the benefit of, of having a pre-PWC is obviously it generates letters, which, which should increase participation. So you're going to draw pilots that you wouldn't normally get if it wasn't a pre-PWC because people are going to do, like I said, they're going to look at the pre-PWC list and say, Hey, uh, that looks like a, a cool place to fly. I've always wanted to go to Red Rocks and I might be able to get a letter. So I think I'm going to sign up for that. Mm, okay. We missed anything here? This is a really good. I mean, that's. I, I think that's. We've hit a lot there, but there we've got civil, FAI, uh, Ushba, NAA. You know, FAI is kind of the overriding mm -hmm. umbrella. 
we've got cat one, cat two, we've got the letters, we've got the each country's ranking system yeah. and how we get in. I, and I, I didn't know that's interesting. I mean, really when it comes down to it, uh, you know, the higher level world cups, yeah, you're going to need both, but at the lower level, you just need one letter. Ah, I know what I need to ask you. Okay. Those letters last forever. No, no, no. It's good. That's a good point too. Yeah. So <laughs> that would be nice. Actually, it wouldn't be that nice. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so no, the only, the only letter that lasts forever is if you win a super final, you get a permanent AA. Um, so oh. it's, yeah. So, so you, you get a permanent AA. I just thought you got permanently into the super final, but that's just, you're locked in, huh? Yeah. Permanent AA. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, it w- would be nice if you, if you won more than one super final, if you could give them away to your friends, uh, so that like people like, <laughs> people like honoring could like give his away or something. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You're having a, <laughs> yeah, he's got something he doesn't need. Um, but yeah, so, so after, after the current year, uh, you can, you can use a letter from the previous year, but it's devalued by two. So if you had a B this year. Uh, and then your results for 2023 were just crap. Uh, you could you could take the B and uh, devalue it to a D, and you could keep that. After that, it doesn't devalue anymore. So you can only you can only um, keep that devalued letter uh, one year. And if okay. and if the letter came from a PWC event, it's only devalued by one. So if you got a, a C, ah. if you got a C from a Paraguay World Cup event, it would just devalue to a D. Um, whereas okay. your national national ranking or your league score would devalue by two. Wild cards. That's what I was going to ask you. How's that work? So um, each PWC partner um, gets one wild card per year, um, and so you know typically they give those wild cards to factory pilots, um, and a lot of times it'll be a factory pilot who's got a prototype they want to try out. Um, we don't call them prototypes anymore, but e- each manufacturer can fly a ready for certification wing in a, in a PDPC competition. So they send in all the paperwork. They say, you know, here, this, this wing's ready for certification. Uh, we just need to test it out in real, real world conditions. And uh, if, if they have a pilot, if, if they don't have a pilot who's qualified to fly it in that event, they can use their wild card to get that to get that pilot in um, the partners. There's a bunch of PWC partners that aren't equipment manufacturers. And so they allocate their wild cards. However, however they feel like doing it. Um, the other, the other way you can get a wild card is from an organizer. So an organizer gets uh, a handful of wild cards that they can allocate. And typically they allocate them to uh, people who have helped, uh, sponsor them. So, like for example, if there's a competition in Brazil and the and the you know the local phone company is a sponsor, or something like that, they might they might give the the wild card to somebody who helped kind of make that happen or whatever. But organizers mm-hmm. can can use whatever criteria they want. It's to, up to them. Yeah, Subjective. to give those out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, wild cards. How else would I was going to say, you know, when I first got into the game, what I learned too was it often looks pretty desperate. You're not going to get in and then you get in, you know, if yeah. you're, if you're okay with kind of last minute travel, a lot of people tend to cancel late yeah. and they just keep going down that list and, yeah. and, you know, you just keep an eye on that list and sometimes you get the call. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I don't. This is actually I don't. I'm not really crazy about the way it works, but like typically, what people do now is they just at the beginning of the year they just sign up for all the PDBC events. Yep. Regardless of whether they have any intention of going or not, and then yep. when selection happens, they they get selected. You get notified by the PDBC. Hey, you've been selected. You have seven days to let us know whether you whether you can whether you can uh, attend. And then they look at their calendar, and they might they might realize, oh, it's, I I can't attend this anyway, and so yeah. then they'll decline, and that'll that'll just keep happening until the competition's filled up. So you're right, a lot of times, uh, a lot of people will have signed up at the beginning of the year. Since then, they've gotten a conflict, um, and so they'll they'll decline, or they'll cancel. You know, they 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 said yes initially, but then something happened and they decided to cancel. So there's quite a bit of that. So yeah, don't lose hope. I mean, if you sign up for an event, um, you know, don't lose hope until the last minute. And you're right. If you, if you're the kind of person that can be flexible and can, can, you know, go at the, you know, relatively last minute, like in the, you know, with a week's or a week or two weeks uh, notice you, you might get in. Bill, this one's important. How do how do we tell the PWC that we have, we need a letter? Right. Uh, what am I trying to say? That you have to declare your results. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Uh, we should have done that. So the first thing that you should do if you're interested in PWCs is go to the website and create an account. And so it doesn't cost anything to create the account. You, you know, enter in your, your pilot info and, and, and things like that. And, once you have created an account, you can now sign up for competitions and declare your results. So it's it's just a screen that you go to and you say, okay, I want to declare results. And you get a drop-down list and you would say, uh, I want to declare my result from the U.S. Nationals. I want to declare my result from the U.S. League and any other things that uh, – every single thing that could possibly generate a letter – is given to you as a choice for declaring results. And then you just say, I was, you know, whatever, 5th, 10th, 15th in the U.S. Nationals. And that then goes to Laura at the PBC. She validates it. So like for the U.S., um, I send in the results every year of our national championship and our, and our league. And, and every country has someone like me who does that same thing. So you may sign up and say I was fifth and Laura might come back and say, well, actually you were fourth um, because she's, she's got the results. And so she validates uh, that you've signed up with the right, with the right, uh, with the right uh, ranking. So yeah, yeah. Once, once you sign up for the events, then, uh, then you're on the list on the selection list. So if you go to the page for Brazil, for example, you can see uh, one of the tabs is selection and you can go and you can see the selection list. You can see all of the people who are signed up and whether they've been confirmed or whether they're in the waiting list and you can see where their letters are. So you can you can kind of like figure out what the odds are. You, you can look and say, okay, well, there's 70 people that are already confirmed and uh, I'm, I, I'm 20 down the list. Yeah, you're, you're, prob- you're probably going to get selected. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bill, you mentioned the Asian tour. I don't know much about it. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so the Asian tour was set up um, really to to help 
um, foster growth in the Asian countries and give the Asian pilots um, opportunities to get letters. There's a lot of really, really good pilots in Asia, and you know it's it's hard for them to to get over to Europe and sometimes even the U.S. to to do events. And so the Asian tour was set up. Um, Jin of uh, Jin Gliders, he was really instrumental in in setting it up. And so it's really just another set of PDBC events, um, except that except that you know they're in Asia. So Asian tour events are also uh, a really good way to get letters. They're a little bit different than the regular PWC events. So in the regular PWC event, the top 15 pilots will automatically get selected for the superfinal. And then depending upon how many duplications there are between PWC events, it might go down to the top 20 or top 25 pilots getting selected for the superfinal. So the Asian tour, um, just the top pilot from an Asian tour event gets automatically selected for the superfinal. But you get really good letters from Asian tour events and, and the selection might even, might even go deeper in the future for Asian tour events. So Asian tour events, Asian tour events are super fun and you know, they're, they're, they're a good way to, especially for us pilots. It's, it's relatively easy for us to get to most of the Asian tour events as compared to somebody in Europe, for example. Yeah, and I've heard awesome stories. I haven't gone to any of them, but I've heard I heard awesome stories about just the cultural experiences and the organizations and the Stoke and oh, yeah. uh, it, it sounds like a must do. It it sounds it, terrific. It really is fantastic. Yeah, I mean the Asian countries really roll out the red carpet. It, I mean you feel like a VIP. They have like insane opening and closing ceremonies. You know they'll bring in like like local rock stars. It's just it's 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 pretty nuts. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I wanted to ask you, so yeah, that's something we didn't touch on either is the super final selection. Mm -hmm. So there's five World Cups. Mm -hmm. You said if you're top 15, you're automatically in. Does that change? You know, as if it's the Macedonia World Cup versus, uh, you know, Argentina, you know, if the, if the pilot quality is, is much higher at one, does, does, do they go deeper in that one? Or is it just straight across the board? Okay. Top, take top 15, get rid of the, you know, the do-overs and then we go to 16 and then on down yeah. the line. So automatic qualification is top 15 overall and top three women. And the only thing that'll, um, take that number down is the, the validity of the comp. So as long as the, uh, as long as the competition has at least two fully valid days or three or four days that add up to, you know, 2000 points, it'll be, it'll be fully valid below that. Hmm. And, and it could drop off. So you could get, you know, just the top 10 pilots or just the top five pilots. If you only get like, you know, one task, for example, in a, in a PDBC. Okay. So that doesn't, happen very often but it it could happen um and like i said so you get like the top 15 from each and and the top three women from each event and typically you've got a lot of duplications within that so you know somebody will be in the top 15 of two comps or three comps and so all of those extra slots are then allocated um based based on the quality of the of the events but as long as it's fully valid they're all equal quality Bill, super helpful. I really appreciate it. I think this is going to be helpful to our listeners and uh, see you in Brazil, dude. Yeah, happy to help. See you there. 
If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes costs. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription and it makes all of this possible. Uh, I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people, and these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account. Of course, that'll be lifetime. And hopefully you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But you'll find all that on the website. Uh, All of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, t-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account. You should be able to access all that bonus material now. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.